Happy Wednesday, everybody, and welcome to WNHH's C-Click Fix Radio. I'm Paul Bass, welcoming you to another one of our weekly looks at what's happening at the grassroots underneath the mass media radar in our own community as well as cities across the country through the lens of the C-Click Fix problem-solving website. And what a great addition we have in store this week because we've tracked down a former superstar of New Haven government. And thanks to modern technology, we have brought him back home via telephone, via web stream, via radio for half an hour or so to tell us the latest on how to run cities better. His name is Rob Smuts. Rob used to work as chief administrative officer here in New Haven. Our city is greener, better swept, better plowed, and lower taxed as a result. Now Rob is braving the challenging climate of the Bay Area. He's the deputy director, that was a tongue-in-cheek, He's the deputy director of the city and county of San Francisco's Department of Emergency Management. And he's here on C-Click Fix Radio to update us on the issues and solutions in his fair city. C-Click Fix's Caroline Smith and Nadine Herring, meanwhile, are here in the studio as well. And a bill paying aside, uh, Yale New Haven Hospital provided financial support for today's program. Welcome, everyone. So, Caroline, uh, first of all, let's say hi to Rob. Rob, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was a very kind introduction. Well, I meant every word of it because I dogged you for a lot of years. <laughs> and um, Caroline, you said, okay, you're a number two, Caroline. Can you hear now, Caroline? Yeah. I'm just making sure my mic works. Okay, your mic's working good. Okay, perfect. And um, so welcome to the show, Nadine and Caroline. So Caroline, you had some questions for Rob. Rob was an originator, not only in New Haven government, of a lot of advances we take for granted now and how we pick up the trash and how we power buildings but also in using C-Click Fix as a way to have citizens tell us what's going on so they could fix it better in government. New Haven had tried, like New York, a system called, I want to get the number right, is it 311, 211? Where they had their own software and it didn't quite work. People weren't staying on top of it. And Rob Smuts was all over C-Click Fix and realized that citizens were already using it. They are already telling them where trash was piled up, where there were potholes in the street, where there were some flooding or something. So he just led the way to New Haven government, now governments around the world, using the tool to stay in touch with their citizens. Yeah, bingo. So, Rob, you got you might know this already, but last week, C-Click Fix hit 2 million issues fixed, uh, which is crazy because that's not just issues submitted, but issues actually fixed wow. on the platform. 2 million, um, that's, a, that's a number. Yeah, and so, and bingo, <laughs> and like Paul was, Paul was on point uh, it's my understanding that New Haven was the first set, city to a- ever actually officially partner with Ciclifix and start using it citywide. And I guess I was wondering, Rob, like, what was your experience of Ciclifix as it was kind of brewing in New Haven, like in Ben's garage or kitchen or wherever he was building it with the other Yeah, why dudes? does it always have to be garage? It's like the myth that everything's in a garage. I bet it was just Apple or Google that was in that garage. <laughs> right, exactly. But when did you first hear about it? And what was your first experience or opinion of it? Did you know Ben? Uh, yeah. Uh, well, I knew Ben. Uh, Ben's a friend of mine. Uh, so I, you know, um, before I think it was even launched, he uh, he had told me about this uh, this neat idea they were working on. Um, and uh, I told him, great, good luck with that. And, you know, didn't think too much more of it at the time. Um, but uh, as Paul said, we had a uh, system on our website already for reporting issues. It was kind of clunky. Um, it was kind of clunky from the front end, kind of clunky from the back end, um, but uh, it was there. 
Um, but then people started really using C-Quick Fix, and uh, um, we sort of went where the people were. Uh, That's interesting, Rob. So the way the government is looking to see, it's trying to create solutions, but sometimes you have to step aside and see if outside your control, people are finding better ways of communicating. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think um, I haven't been uh, really involved in the effort to get the uh, the original system up, um, the one that Secret Fix ended up replacing. Uh, but you know, I think that was a that was a good effort. We wanted to make sure uh, city government had a way of reporting issues online. That you know, government trying to be responsive. Um, but uh, you know, I think sometimes. Uh, sometimes government needs, sometimes government just needs to be responsive to what the community is really, um, really pushing for. And, um, just the amount of people who are using C-Click Fix and how it was evolving that they were using C-Click Fix, uh, was something that it became at least very obvious to me we wanted to, uh, be open to. I remember big storms, Rob. Now, you had other systems, too. You had VOC. I'm probably mispronouncing it, the internal computer system reporting system that you have that was also developed by Gray Wolf, a company in town. But during, is it my is it correct that when you were a chief administrative officer, you were dealing a lot with Hurricane Sandy, Tropical Storm Irene, they all had different appellations, the big snow Mageddon um, in 2013. Was C-Click Fix important for you in those situations to know where to send plows, where to send emergency crews? Yeah, well, um, yes, it was the, um, the chief administrative officer in New Haven is also the um, director of emergency management. So when we had a uh, hurricane or a big storm like that, I was trapped in the in the sub-basement of the city hall with the, in the EEOC for at least a week. Did you ever break um, into the frozen rations they had for nuclear war, like the freeze-dried beef and stuff, and pull out the cots? <laughs> no, thank, okay, you never got thankfully to taste I never... Thing. It, it never got that bad to try to uh, look into the uh, uh, MREs. Um, but, um, but yeah, so uh, had a responsibility for those big events. And um, uh, we did start to really look at how C-Quick Fix could get the information to us. Um, but it was also, I mean, one of the things that was really neat about uh, watching it evolve was not just the information coming to City Hall, but the information going to neighbors. Um, and, um, you know, in, the, uh, the superstorm Nemo, when we had the, the three feet of snow, the biggest snowstorm since 1888, um, you know, it was going to be a while before the city could spend our limited resources focusing on, focusing on whether people shoveled their sidewalks. Um, but Secret Six helped connect neighbors so that, uh, you know, if there was an elderly neighbor or something like that, um, maybe some neighbors could help. Um, coordinate where they could go and help shovel out. And, the Yetis, uh, they call them. So, uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Do you remember yeah, early on, Rob, when you were, before this was de rigueur, before the big storms, before C-Click Fix, you adopted them. Can you remember early on an example of sometimes somebody posts some C-Click Fix, you noticed it on your computer or your phone, and you saw a problem get fixed in a way that you hadn't seen government do it on its own before? Yeah, I mean, I think that um, I think there there are the relatively straightforward issues. There's the tree that needs trimmed, and there's the pothole, something like that. And I think C-Quick Fix was just very um, 
well suited to have those issues come reported to us. And sometimes it felt a little overwhelming because it was an easier way to report those issues than had really existed in the past. So more of them came to us. It didn't mean that there were more potholes, but we knew about more. Um, but I think something different was some of these more complex issues. Um, the lighting on the bridge over the railroad tracks um, on uh, um, on Olive Street, right? You're remembering um, your streets, Rob, not bad. What? You're remembering your streets, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, that's the type of issue that, um, you know, typically would come up when city officials went to the uh, the management teams or, or occasionally you'd have an active person who would come and try to find the right city official to sort of talk about that. Um, but really having the community get together and um, in a way that was really clear just how many people cared about this, um, talk about what was needed there, why it was important, uh, and uh, do it in a way that then, um, as the city, as we tried to figure out how to respond, it was a little bit complicated because we couldn't run electricity over this bridge. Mm -hmm. Um, So we had to figure out how to light up the bridge without uh, power lines. and so as we started trying to figure out, you know, what the best way of, of approaching that was, um, we could engage the community back. And um, so issues like that were really interesting to see play out over Sequip 6. And then they watched you, too. You were being watched in a way you weren't before as a city official, right? So if someone said, there's graffiti here or there is a, a pothole, they would keep track until you fixed it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and, and uh, it was very nice for me as a manager up on the uh, third floor of City Hall to be able to have all that data about what the departments in the field were doing um, and have a sense of what was going on. And also, you know, I mean, the same data that I had, the public had, and and, uh, and that level of transparency, I think, can be really powerful. Well, you're talking about powerful. You're listening to Dateline New Haven and WNHH Radio at 103.5 FM and live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We're talking C-Click Fix Radio News today with Caroline Smith and Nadine Herring of C-Click Fix and former New Haven City official Rob Smuts, who today is the Deputy Director of the City and County of San Francisco, California's Department of Emergency Management. Um, One quick question I had for you, uh, Rob, was that, well, okay, so... Apparently, you were also the director of emergency operations, or at least that falls under the purview of CEO, which to me sounds like a job that like five people could be doing a lot, a lot of work for. So what else falls under the umbrella of, uh, of CAO, it, along with director of emergency ops? Uh, well, those were the main, the, those were the two titles that I got to have. Um, it was the role uh, to oversee uh, seven or eight departments, the number the exact number changed a little bit in the in the time I was there, um, and uh, um, a couple of uh, smaller offices. And when there was an emergency, was the function as the uh, director of emergency management. But so, CAO, um, you were overseeing it, cops, fire, public works. You were overseeing. Um, so those are right there. Uh, a lot of the main departments that people go to C-Click Fix to complain about. 
Yep, and uh, and parks and libraries and engineering and human resources and uh, the 911 center, which is uh, what I do now out in, in San Francisco. And it's it's funny because you say it in such a casual way, like I oversaw. But it to me seems like every single department uh, that a government could have was that. I guess what was that transition like from overseeing many many departments to now overseeing one? Uh, in a really like intimate and specific way. Oh, well, it's a it's a little bit of a different job. I mean, as CIO, I was really focused on uh, on bigger picture issues, the the city budget, um, and uh, some administrative things. The process for hiring. Uh, now overseeing one department, uh, it's, uh, it's a little more focused, and you know, San Francisco is a little bigger, so it's a it's. Um, our 911 center is bigger than public works in New Haven uh, in terms of people. Um, but uh, How many calls do you get yeah. there a week? Uh, well, we get about um, 3,300 a day. So uh-huh. uh, a week is um, 23,000. And how does that compare to New Haven? Uh, let's see. New Haven, if memory serves, um, let's see, um, 1.3 million a year in San Francisco. I think it was maybe about, uh, 20% of that in New Haven. Now, while you were here, 911 underwent changes. The police department, the fire department ran it, then a civilian ran it. I believe you were involved in that switch. What did you learn here in New Haven that you've adapted to how you do the job in San Francisco running a 911 call center? Um, what did I learn? I learned that it mattered. It was a function of government that uh, most people don't think about, but uh, when something goes wrong, they, it, uh, it's a really big issue. Um, and so um, that, that's a very obvious lesson that I learned. Um, I don't know. But, uh, I remember watching but, you at St. Rose's Church when hundreds of parishioners were demanding more Spanish-speaking um, 911 operators, feeling they couldn't call, they didn't get help, and there have been crimes, and then you did increase that. Um, the, in San Francisco, I imagine there's even a greater variety of languages spoken, if I'm not mistaken. Has that been an issue mm-hmm. there? Have you had to train people in different languages, hiring people in different languages? Uh, yeah, uh, having people uh, who work for the 911 Center speak different languages is, is very helpful. Um, here, it's uh, uh, I have had an issue with our language translation service. We were not happy with the one that we uh, we had originally. We had to switch it out. So um, what happened? That is, a very... is this a computer service? When you're talking, it automatically translates. Uh, no, it's it's uh, human translators, but um, I, I think the one that we had sort of changed its business model a little bit and uh, gave a little less priority to 911 centers, and so we ended up having a lot more um, a longer hold time, and that's not something you want when you have an emergency. So is that someone you need provider. on the phone, or is that someone right there who can translate? Uh, somebody on the phone, you conference in a, a translator. And uh, New Haven has that service, too. Um, it just, it's... Uh, you know, if the, if the actual call taker speaks the language, it's a lot more fluid. So New Haven was Spanish. What's the, what are the main languages in San Francisco in the call-up? Uh, Spanish is, the, is still the largest, but we also have um, uh, significant um, 
think uh, last year we had something like 50 different languages we needed to wow. translate. But do you uh, have Spanish-speaking call operators? Do you have dispatchers who speak Spanish? Uh, we do have we do have some, um, and uh, you get a, a little pay differential for being certified as a uh, speaking a different uh, different language. Uh, not enough to be able to handle them uh, internally. We do use the translation service quite a lot uh, for Spanish, for Cantonese, for um, Mandarin, for Tagalog, for Russian. Those are the big big languages. Now, I remember another issue you dealt with here was coastal flooding. So, East Shore, there are some people who believe that with climate change, the waters are rising. We, don't, we can't just keep building up walls that'll be breached. They're going to wash out houses. Maybe we shouldn't build on the coast. Other people think we do have to build up defenses. You were here when that started changing. Is that an issue in San Francisco in emergencies? Are you worried about protecting properties along the coast? And have, have you had any... Have you had uh, problems similar in New Haven in any storms, or do any planning that's similar to what you did in New Haven? Yeah, it is an issue. There was an article in uh, yesterday's paper about um, the seawall for um, for a big part of downtown San Francisco, uh, and that they estimate that it will cost one two billion to retrofit it for an earthquake, and five wow. to ten billion. Uh, to address uh, the first um, uh, first couple decades of, uh, of climate change. Oh, that's right. You got earthquakes level. and you got potential. I remember when I was in San Francisco, they had the signs about tsunamis. You're, you're, you're running on the beach there, and it says, watch out for tsunamis. Yeah, and thankfully the geography of our seabed means that this, we do have to worry about tsunamis, but not like really big tsunamis. <laughs> those are, those are sc- little, that's like a little bit pregnant. Those are scary signs. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you doing about flooding? Did you learn anything in New Haven about how to deal with people whose houses are on coasts or businesses or any kind of prevention work? Uh, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, the debate that happened in New Haven about whether it's worth, um, whether we should be building a seawall or whether, we should just sort of let the change happen. I mean, to me, the the question was, if you're talking about greenfield development, if you're talking about building a new house, you absolutely should not be building a seawall. You should not be building in an area that is going to be um, suffering from flooding. You should think about the impact of, of, of climate change because that's real. It's going to happen. Um, when you have a city like San Francisco or a city like New Haven that has existed for a long time and is built out, the question about what you do to protect what already exists is a little different. Um, and in New Haven, it was the question about what whether you built a seawall to help protect the neighborhood of about 300 homes. San Francisco, it's um, you know what you do with the seawall to protect. Um, downtown San Francisco, which is, you know, a, a, one of the major economic centers in this country, um, and uh, so I think you know, I mean, I don't think there's any debate right now about whether to uh, rebuild the seawall in San Francisco. People are like, yes, we have to, um, and then it's just a question of where we come up with that money. <laughs> Forgive my ignorance, but what what is this? What is a seawall? I'm Google image searching currently, but I, I have lots of uh, crazy <laughs> ideas no, that's a of great what question. that could be. I mean, I think of rocks being cemented together. Right. 
Yeah, it's 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 basically um, you know instead of having the natural contour of a coast, uh, you put a wall there, um, and um, and you generally build buildings on on top of that wall. So it's a um, it's a artificial um, uh, sea coast. How, what, what kind of materials? Yeah, and how high? Uh, that that depends on the, <laughs> the specific seawall. How about in San Francisco? What's it going to be made of? Uh, San Francisco, I think it's it, it was um, the current one um, was built after the 1906 earthquake, uh, and so there was a bunch of fill that was put out, and then the edge of it was made of um, uh, concrete and um, rocks. Well, you're listening to C-Click Fix Radio and WNHH, 103.5 FM, live streamed at newhavenindependent.org. We have a few minutes left with Rob Smuts. Rob, what's the biggest difference working for government in San Francisco and dealing with the public and working for government in New Haven and dealing with the public through C-Click Fix and public meetings and neighborhood alders and all that kind of stuff? You know, I think... Um... Some of the some of the differences that strike me the most. Well, one, we don't have snow, which I'm very happy about out here. Um, but uh, in dealing with the public, you know, I I do think that the public has more access to their government in New Haven than they do out here in San Francisco. Is that because of C-Click um, Fix? Is it because of neighborhood management teams and a tradition of just beating up people like Rob Smith when they show up in public? I mean, what's the <laughs> what's the reason? I think. You know, I mean, some of it might be the scale. I think uh, some of it is um, is the the press that exists in in New Haven. I think that uh, New Haven Independent, um, we don't have something like that out here in San Francisco. Tim Redmond uh, had a one person website that he was trying to get going. Do you know what happened with that? He's the former I mean, Bay Guardian writer. There are various smaller websites, but there's nothing that has the same community buy-in that you, that you see in, in uh, the New Haven Independent. And the Bay Guardian, uh, which was the Alternative Weekly, has gone out of business. The Chronicle, the Daily, if I'm not mistaken, is really a, a shadow of its former size. It's just a few pages, right? And um, there was an old Weekly Independent that's out of business. So you really, yeah. you, you're not, and you don't have C-Click Fix keeping after your every move, right? Uh, say that last thing. Do you have anything that's like C-Click Fix where citizens are watching your every move on the web and directly connected to you? Uh, not, not really. I mean, there is, um, so San Francisco has uh, 311, which is a number you can call uh, if you don't have an emergency, if you want to report a, a city issue. Um, and 311 has um, a mobile app uh, and a website. That functions kind of like C-Click-Fix. In fact, uh, visually, it looks pretty similar. Um, but it's not... Um, the big difference is that you can't vote for something that somebody else submitted, uh, and you don't have the type of um, um, public back-and-forth um, as as you can on a C-Click-Fix issue. So it's just really a tool to communicate with city government and for city government then to communicate directly back to you. Um, you can't really search for the issues um, in your neighborhood that people reported and what's going on with it. So it sounds to be different um, between like when you wrote on rocks in the old days and now you have computers? Yeah. Um, it's, uh, 
you know, it's, it's a useful tool, but it's not a community building tool. And I'm on San Francisco's CicloFix page, and it looks like people still are reporting issues because it looks like San Francisco has an open 311, and they're acknowledging the issues and, um, and responding to them um, on the CicloFix uh, site. How does, how does that open 311 in San Francisco work? Yeah, so um, they, they, they do connect with CicloFix, so you can, you can report an issue on CicloFix, and it will go into uh, the system that uh, 311 uses. Um, but the, the actual 311 app, the one that the, the city government promotes, mm-hmm. uh, functions differently. So, um, you know, some people do like the functionality of Secret Fix, and because of that, you know, you do have a fair enough number of people still using it. But it doesn't, because it's not the main uh, the main system, it, it doesn't have the type of uh, um, larger buy-in. Even since you left and a few he- years ago, Rob, Secret Fix has really become a verb in town. I mean, just everyday people all the time says, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna see, click, fix that. I'm gonna put that on see, click, fix." It's almost like they feel like they have this power. I mean, do you find that Nadine in your neighborhood? I almost hear like someone feels stronger, more powerful when they talk to me or when I overhear their conversations in neighborhoods about how they're gonna, they're gonna do something about that to that landlord or that dump trash person because I'm gonna see, click, fix it. Exactly. That's I think one of the key benefits and pluses of a platform like CClickFix because the citizens now have that power. Whereas before, um, you would try to call down to City Hall, you would try to maybe come down to City Hall, like Rob mentioned earlier, to see if you can get to an official. But a lot of times you you couldn't reach that person or you would leave a message and you would never hear back. Now, not only can you report an issue on CClickFix, but you can also take a picture. And a picture is very powerful. Where you can also go to any part of town, not just your neighborhood, and report issues and take pictures of those issues that cannot be denied. So it's not just somebody's word saying, oh, there's an issue here. You can take a picture of that and put that up there and it will get voted on. So the power really is with the citizens of the town. And to Rob's credit, too, I remember one thing about when he was here. He actually came to a few of our um, management team meetings. So Web. Whaley Edgewood Beaver Hill, (laughs) short for watch out. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, better. Um, But the willingness of a city official to come to local meetings like that and and get, you know, up close and personal with the citizens, I think says a lot of how much they respect and appreciate what the citizens have to say and vice versa. We're going to be more respectful and supportive of that city official if they communicate with us and they partner with us. So, to Rob's credit, he did that a lot. And I think he set the stage for, you know, alders and other department heads coming out to meet with citizens where they are and to hear their issues up close and personal firsthand and then do something about it. And they also know if they don't, they will get reported on secret. And, and Nadine is talking about management teams, which began with community policing in New Haven in the early 90s. They were set up in 10 districts in the city, originally just so citizens could meet with their cops, but it became this engine of local democracy where if your developer wants to build something, if you have a, a big planning coming up for a new city plan and development of the city, that's where you go to meet the neighbors and that's when people come and meet them. Rob Smuts, in San Francisco, have you found, in addition to C-Click Fix, we talked about that in 311, are there other ways that citizens connect with government in interesting ways, either better or worse than in New Haven? Do you go out and face them in, in situations that are similar to management team meetings? Are there other ways that people there have come to expect to interface with their government officials? Yeah, I mean, we, we do have a lot of um, 
do have um, some equivalents to management teams. There are 10 policing districts in San Francisco, too. Um, obviously, they end up being a lot larger than in, in New Haven. Um, and do more people go to the meetings if it's a if it covers, let's say, 10 times or eight times the population area? Do, do you get crowds that are a lot bigger than the ones in New Haven? Um, maybe sometimes, although uh, you, oftentimes it's, it's sort of broken up the way that... Uh, uh, District 9 in New Haven is broken up into um, uh, sort of the lower part, Morse Cove and Annex in the upper part. Yeah, that's going to be uh, changing soon because that's like two different cities. Um, yeah, well, you know, there are two different management teams there, although one policing district. Um, here you have a lot of, uh, there are 10 districts, but you have a lot of uh, sort of sub-meetings. Um, and so there, there are a lot of community meetings. I think that that's, uh, that's uh true and it's a healthy way of, of interacting with with the city um, and, uh, and and that's something that I don't think is gonna go away and that's a that's a that's a good thing um, but you know a, a meeting is a very um, it's one way of interacting but you have to get there you have to you know put that into your schedule it has to work for your schedule all that sort of stuff um, and um, so it's sort of only one way of what should be many different ways of interacting. Do you feel as connected um, to the people you're serving as you felt in New Haven? Do I feel as connected? Um, probably, I mean, probably not, and that's um, somewhat a function of, of my specific job, um, that uh, um, there are less regular issues with the 911 center that I, I would have to engage a, a broader public about than uh, when I was CAO and had a much broader range of issues. Um, and then some of it is is, um, is just the, the, the methods we have to be in touch with people here. Can I ask you two final exam questions before we let you go? Sure. Okay, here's the first question. This is for 50% of your grade. The um, <laughs> So we just talked about the way you dealt with news in New Haven. So New Haven, as you knew probably better than anyone, has this hyper-local way, form of democracy, whether it's C-Click Fix, management team meetings, everyone gets to like yell at Rob Smuts. Um, we have 30 alders for a population of 130,000 people. So some people have said, I'm sure you had, you know, you've heard both sides of this argument, these little districts mean that everyone who represents them doesn't have enough power because they're always so little, and government functions in a way where every little power base gets a sidewalk fixed or a job for a friend, but doesn't get the bigger problems solved and it doesn't run government as smart. So the, that camp says government doesn't run as well, so you need fewer alders, you gotta give more power, you have to have sort of government that represents more people with fewer people in the chair. Then other people say, and we had this debate with Charter Revision, the other side won. In fact, that's the ultimate democracy because everyone gets to meet the person who represents them. Everyone gets to go to a neighborhood meeting with Rob Smuts that in fact, they make better decisions by having more people at the table and fewer people represented. So San Francisco has what population, Rob? I'm sorry, I missed the final question. I heard what, what, What's the population of San Francisco? Uh, it's about 860,000. So it's more than twice New Haven's. It has the same number of policing districts. How many city council members? Um, we have uh, 11 supervisors. 
versus 30 alders in New Haven for less than half the population. Which works better? Which is more democratic? Which produces better government? Um, I think that the structure of government matters a lot. Um, I, 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 um, I've been uh, uh, reading the Tocqueville, actually, right now, and just you know, personally thinking about um, structure of, of, of government. I also think... Um, and structure of government impacts how engaged people end up being. Um, but I think the bigger factor is, is whether you have engaged um, engaged residents. Um, and I think that the structure of government is only one piece of that. I think that the structure of the local press, I think the structure of what is now this new thing, this uh, secret fix space, um, uh, I think... Um, how competitive the elections are, um, all these other things matter about how engaged residents are in their government. And um, uh, structure of government is only one piece of that, uh, and it can it can cut different ways. Um, so I think you kind of have to look at all the pieces together to figure out, uh, you know, whether whether the system is 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 the best one for 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 your city or not. Okay, you aced that question, um, but now there's another question. Okay, so um, not, not bad. But remember, 50% doesn't get you far in a final grade of 100. So we talked about how C-Click Fix works at such a deeper level for involving citizens and keeping government accountable than traditional 311 systems invented and run by government. That touches on a larger question of whether the private sector or the public sector often does a better job of addressing problems. You face that all the time in government, that sometimes people would say we should outsource a job like cleaning schools, let's say, because it'll save money. But other people say that just say, that just means you're going to pay people less with fewer benefits, but you're not going to get the job better done. There'll be less accountability. You watched at the Housing Authority, Rob, how in your time here, places like Elmhaven became Monterey Place, couldn't be Act Terrace was transformed, West Rock. And we had private management at publicly owned facilities that was doing a better job and yet there are other ways that outsourcing and private solutions to problems like privatized prisons, sometimes private ownership of a slum property, does a lot worse than government. Do you have any overreaching, overarching, excuse me, conclusions based on the way you've seen that debate develop and the decisions you've made and observed? I think that... Um Outsourcing, as you mentioned, can often be motivated by cost and the way that you save money in outsourcing is either through um, you can do a more efficient structure or oftentimes you pay people less. If you're outsourcing because you want to pay people less, um, that's that's a loser. I, I, I think that's a bad idea. Um, if, uh, if the question, so sort of setting aside that, that, that part of outsourcing, I think it's it's really about you know the question of whether um, public or private can do something better um, is often just a question of the structural accountability in it. Um, and so, if you're um, talking about uh, providing a service that can be done competitively, that can be done by you know more than one uh, vendor, that is not like by its nature a monopoly service, then that's probably private sector um, because the way companies can compete against each other, that's the accountability for the company. 
if you're talking about a monopoly service, if you're talking about providing um, prisons or, um, you know, a utility service or some of the things that traditionally you think of government providing, um, then then you have to figure out about how you have accountability in that. Now, it can be that you have a really good contract with this private provider and that you have a, a really active uh, person in in government that is managing that contract and that is holding that uh, contractor to account, and that can be a way of of having accountable service. Um, but generally, you know, I mean, that's why democracy exists. That's why the press exists. Um, that's that's how we hold these services account. Um, when when the market doesn't work, and when the market that and and what I mean by that is when you have like a service that that is not provided through through competition, um, you need other ways of making sure that it's accountable. And, and generally speaking, that's the, the government does that better than the private sector will. It's an interesting comment, comment about that because I always get spun around on this debate. The New York Times say by Eduardo Porter talking about patents, and the philosophy always was in government, both parties that the competition for patents leads drug makers to do a better job to research and produce drugs. But they say we haven't been able to get a drug for malaria because most of the people suffering are poor and live in Africa and places like that, so you're never gonna make the money on the drug, and the only way they eventually got a drug developed was that Bill Gates' foundation give the money. But that, I think, is beyond what we're gonna put Rob Smuts to the test on today. Rob Smuts, it was such a pleasure to have you on C-Click Fix Radio on WNHH. You are a beloved figure here in New Haven. I must say that you were a star of the New Haven Independent. People loved the way that you would come on that site and always respond to problems in a very non-defensive, factual way and try to fix them. And it sounds like you're doing some of that in San Francisco. So uh, all the best from your old friends here. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure uh talking with you this morning. And thank you for joining us on Dateline New Haven. Thanks to Caroline Smith and Nadine Herring. Thanks to Yale New Haven Hospital for providing financial support for today's program. We're going to take it out with the Afro-Semitic Experience performing Eli Halanavi from the group's 2002 CD. This is the Afro-Semitic Experience. It's not socialist realism, folks. It is private sector music, but I do believe there's a room for both. This is Paul Bass wishing you a day filled with animal rights, pristine garbage, cleared sites, and spiritual heights. Chill with us here all day and night at WNHH New Haven's home for community radio for more local talk and music.